Happy Sunday. I love Sunday morning. Mostly because it's not Monday morning. <laughs> well, before we get started today, um, I just have an announcement to make. And that is, somebody's at it again with sending out people emails asking for stuff in my name. Um, and so I just want to let you know, uh, probably see up there, one of those is my correct email and the other is not. And so uh, I just want to make something very clear. I am never, ever going to email any of you asking for you to pick up a gift card or, or do something like that. Uh, I'm never going to do that. That's never going to be for me, okay? Um, if I ever need money, I'm going to come and ask you personally. <laughs> no, this email stuff. No. In all seriousness, uh, somebody's out there just trying to scam you. If you get an email like this, a couple things. One, just know I'm never going to do that, so you can probably just report it as a phishing attempt. Um, or, and second, call me. Just contact me. Hey, Darren, are you? And I'm, you know, I'm like, no, that's not me. Um, almost guaranteed. So if you've received an email like this, just know that I deeply apologize uh, for it. Um, they are not using my email address. My email has not been hacked. They've just created another account using my name. And so um, anyways, I'm sorry once again. All right, let's open in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for this day that you have given us. Lord, what a wonderful day it is to be able to come and to worship you together as your people. To be able to lift up your name in exaltation and praise. And Father, I would ask in the name of Jesus that you would send the Holy Spirit into your church. Father, I pray right now that as we open your word, we would continue in a spirit of worship. Desiring to hear the voice of our shepherd and desiring to see all that our shepherd wants to reveal to us. And so Lord... Give us this time. Indeed, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. But above all, Lord, give us hearts that are receptive to what you want to say this morning. And I pray that in all of this, you're magnified and glorified and lifted up, and that your church is built up and encouraged. And we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a very important parable, one that has always um, kind of captured my heart a little bit because of its important reminder. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus, told a par Jesus tells a parable about uh, a righteous man and um, a man coming to God who needs righteousness. And he says this, he, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, 
This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, this parable reminds us of the importance of one of the most important teachings we will ever know as Christians. And that teaching is salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. See, what I love about this story is that it reminds us of a couple of things. It reminds us that if we go to God with broken hearts, if we just go to him and from our hearts come to him, he will never turn us away. But the other thing it also reminds us of is that God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't play favorites. You can look right on the outside, but be all wrong on the inside. But God sees through that. He knows what's going on. And so today, I want us to talk about the message of salvation, this message of salvation by grace through faith, and how God doesn't play favorites, but rather, he will offer salvation to all who call upon the name of the Lord. Look, let's look at that in a little more detail this morning as we go into Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans 10. Picking up here in verse 1, we're going to be reading through verse 13 this morning. Let's read this together. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, speaking about Israel, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. What wonderful news that is. Look, there are two major points here I want to talk about this morning. I first want to talk about the source of righteousness. That is our true source of righteousness. And then secondly, I want us to talk about the message of salvation. First, let's talk about the true source of righteousness. All right? Now, once again, in verse 1 here, we see that Paul clearly has a Christ-like heart for his fellow Israelites. He says, brothers, 
My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. We already saw in chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, about how Paul says, look, I would almost be willing to be accursed if they would just give themselves over to Jesus and be saved. Paul's heart, he has a Christ-like heart for his fellow Israelites. He loves them and desires so very much that they accept Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises and as the Messiah. But clearly, many of them don't, and it breaks Paul's heart. And so while he has a Christ-like heart for his fellow Israelites, he also laments their lack of knowledge in Christ. He laments that their zeal for God, and they have a zeal for God. They do have a true zeal, a passion for God. But he laments that this passion, this zeal, is not centered on the knowledge of Jesus as the fulfillment of God's law. Rather, what they have done is that they have relied on a form of self-righteousness. And this self-righteousness is rooted in ethnic identity, it is rooted in man-made traditions, and it is rooted in their works. This is what they depend on. Rather than depending on Christ, they depend on their man-made traditions, their ethnic identity, and their works to make them right before God. But that will never make them right before God. The law does not make us right before God. The law reveals our absolute need for God. But unless we think somehow that this is only for Israelites or Jews that do this, I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a lot of people out there that are depending on their works to get in God's good graces. I remember reading a story once about former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Michael Bloomberg. But I remember reading about how he was being interviewed before his 50th um, high school, um, or 50th college reunion, I'm sorry. But during an interview before his 50th college reunion, former New York mayor, uh, City Mayor Michael Bloomberg confessed that his mortality at 72 was starting to dawn on him a little bit. He also said that he's been sobered by how many of his former classmates have passed away. But here's the thing. But if Bloomberg senses the, that he may not have as much time left as he would like, he has little doubt about what would await him at Judgment Day. Pointing to his work on gun safety, obesity, smoking cessation, and other things, he said with a grin, and this is him, I'm quoting him, I am telling you, if there is a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I have earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Look, I don't want in any way to disparage or downplay any of Bloomberg's great things that he has done as the mayor of New York City or in his philanthropy work, whatever the case may be, or anybody like him for that matter. But my heart tells me that he's going to be having a sober reality when he stands before God. Because you cannot earn your place in heaven. You cannot earn your place in eternal life. It is only through Christ. And so when we talk about our true source of righteousness, let's look at a few things. Let's look at a few things that Paul says here. 
First, regarding our true source of righteousness, we see that zeal is good. Zeal is good, but it must be focused on Christ. It's good to be passionate, but where is that passion focused? Paul says here, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. What is God's righteousness? God's righteousness is Christ. Look, it's good to be passionate. It's good to have zeal. But I want to tell you something. Passion and zeal, they are not the markers of truth. They are not the markers of truth. You can be passionate about something and be passionately wrong. I want you to understand that. You know, Years ago, I was having a conversation with my mom. My mom passed away uh, a little over a year ago, and, and uh, uh, she lived up in Portland, Oregon, and so she was down visiting um, um, our family when we lived down south. And so she was there, and it was late one night, and we're sitting at the kitchen table, and my mom are having a deep spiritual discussion. I tried to have as many spiritual discussions with my mom as possible because, frankly, I didn't know where she stood with the Lord. And so we're having a deep discussion, and my mom was adamant about this fact. She said, you know, Darren, she just was almost pounding the pulpit, saying, you know, if somebody's just passionate enough, if they are just sincere enough, that's what really matters. And I said, Mom, look, you can be sincere about something and be sincerely wrong. And I remember using this example. I said, look, Mom, <clears throat> Adolf Hitler was sincere and passionate about his hatred of the Jews and gypsies and everybody that opposed his political ideology. And Adolf Hitler was passionately and sincerely wrong. He was wrong. You can be sincere about something. You can be passionate about it. But you can also be wrong about it. Zeal is good. It must be centered on Christ. We must have a zeal for that which is truth and a zeal for Christ. So regarding our true source of righteousness, our true source of righteousness is not our zeal, it's Christ. So let us be zealous for Christ. Let us have a passion for him. Second, regarding our true source of righteousness, we see that knowledge is good. Knowledge is good, but it must be informed by Christ. It must be informed of Christ. Once again, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Knowledge is good, but it must be informed by Christ. Let us not be pursuing those things which are not informing us of Christ. Notice what Paul says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. In other words, what Paul doesn't do is he doesn't waste his time 
spinning. He doesn't, you know, box the air. He doesn't run after aimless things. He seeks after Christ. He seeks the knowledge of him, a desire to know him more and to know him better and to be able to preach it better to others and live in such a way as to identify with that life. Knowledge is good, but it must be informed by Christ. And finally, we see that righteousness is good, but it must be sourced in Christ. It must be sourced in Christ. Our true righteousness is found in Christ. Again, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, their own what? Their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. To fulfill them. When we see Jesus speak, he speaks the words of God. When we see Jesus act, he acts as God. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. In him, we see the will of the Father perfectly revealed. Jesus is our true source of righteousness. It is not our works. It is not our ethnic identity. It is not anything to do with that. It is our relationship with him that matters. So regarding our true source of righteousness, we see that zeal and passion, it's good, but it must be focused on Christ. Knowledge is good, but it must be informed by Christ. And finally, righteousness is good, but it must be sourced in Christ. For Christ is our source of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become what? the righteousness of God. This is the beauty of the gospel, that we were estranged from God by sin and that God took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He went to the cross and was crucified for our sin. He was buried according to the scriptures and on the third day he rose bodily according to the scriptures. And if we put our faith in him, we will know no shame. We will know no shame. God has taken our unrighteousness and placed it upon Christ at the cross, and he has taken Christ's righteousness and placed it upon us who believe in him. That is the beauty of the gospel. And so that turns us to the message of salvation. The message of salvation. Look, In these verses, Paul turns to the message of salvation as revealed in Messiah Jesus. His point is a reminder that we cannot attain righteousness through the law, but only by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And this message, it is a straightforward, and it's not out of our reach, but near us. It is near us. Look, regarding the message of salvation, it's important that we do a few things. First, don't overthink it. Now, notice what I'm saying. I am not saying don't think. Think. Use your noggin. Use your head. But don't overthink it. 
Have you ever overthought something? Overcomplicated anything? Has that ever happened to anyone? Am I the only one here who's ever done that? Am I the only one here who's had his wife look at him and say, you're overthinking it, honey. Look, don't overthink it. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. This is what Paul says. We're picking up in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. In other words, he's saying, look, if you're going to live by the law, you need to keep the law, all of it, and nobody can keep the law. There's only one that's kept the law, Jesus. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend to the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. What is Paul saying here? He's saying this, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. And he's quoting Moses. He's quoting Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. Notice what Moses says here. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, he says, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. He's saying, look, you guys, it's not like God is not asking you to jump through hoops. All right? He's not asking you to perform tricks. He's not looking at you and going, well, tell you what, if you do this, 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 and this, maybe, maybe I'll let you into heaven. He's not doing that. It's not, it's not some mystery that we've got like, hey, everybody, I lost my salvation. Can you help me find it? Well, where'd you put it last? It's, it's, it's here. It's right here in your heart, in your mouth, that you speak it and believe it and live it. Don't overthink it. The message of the gospel is a message of faith in Messiah Jesus and his provision for sin. Don't overcomplicate it. Look, if anybody ever comes to you and says, you know, salvation is Jesus plus this. Go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Because you know what salvation is? It's Jesus. Just Jesus. That's it. Jesus. If somebody comes to you and says, salvation is Jesus plus this, or it's the Bible plus this book. It's Jesus plus that you turn and you run. I mean, you just turn and run to the point where they go, was it something I said? (gasps) Don't overcomplicate it. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ. You don't have to earn it. You can't earn it. You don't have to merit it. You you don't even have to be born into a Christian home to receive it. 
You need to believe in what Jesus has done for you. That's what you need to do. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to him. Don't make it more complicated than that. Second, regarding the message of salvation, is that we do, we don't need to overthink it, but we do trust Jesus from our heart and obey him in word and in deed. We do trust in Jesus from our heart and obey him in word and deed. Verses, verses 9 and 10, notice what it says here. And I'm going to read verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you know what the key word is there? What's the key word? You will be saved. Will. That's the key word. Will. Not you might be not you may be, not perhaps, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Darren, what's up with this, this heart-mouth thing? Look, it comes down to this. I like how uh, Lawrence L. Richard puts it. He says, the heart represents man's inner nature. The mouth is the expression of that inner nature in this world. Secret believer is something of a contradiction in terms. If we are truly committed to Jesus, our lives will express that commitment in no uncertain terms. That's really what he's talking about. He's talking about the whole man. He's talking about the whole person. That ultimately, our hearts are expressed in our lives. Notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, 40, uh, 45, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. Do trust in Jesus and obey him from your heart in word and in deed. It's always about the heart. Always. And that was really the point of the opening parable that I read about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus was talking about the heart. And then third, regarding this message of salvation, do know that God makes salvation available to any who call upon the name of the Lord. Once again, for the scripture says... Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What great news that is. You know, one of the most amazing things about the cross is that the cross, at the foot of the cross, is level ground. It's level ground. And what I mean by that is that at the foot of the cross, you will not find positions of power or privilege or anything like that. All of us stand on level ground. All of us. Every single one of us stands before God in need 
of him. And all who call upon him will not be put to shame, but can become children of God. That is great news. I can't think of better news. I don't have to earn my place with God. Rather, my God just loves me. He loves me. And out of his love and out of his goodness has offered me salvation through Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what I've done. Doesn't matter who I've been. If I come to God and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. I can't think of better news to know that no matter what, I can go to God and find hope and healing and salvation in Christ. Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, uh, heirs according to the promise. We are God's children. Jesus is our source of righteousness. And the message of salvation is that if we put our faith in him and call upon the name of the Lord, we will not be put to shame. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you so very much for this good news of the gospel the plain and simple gospel, Lord, that reminds us that even though we are sinners, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in thus in doing so revealed his love for us. And that if we simply put our trust in him, that we will be saved. So Lord, if there's anybody out here today that has not put their trust in Jesus, I pray that you would just even now, that they would put their hope, that they would trust in you, that they would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so, Lord, would you just do that work this morning? And in so doing, would you be glorified and magnified, and would you also build up and strengthen and encourage your church? We thank you, Lord, for this word. I ask that you would just bless your people with it, Lord, and remind us that we are yours. Not because of anything we have done, but rather because of everything Christ has done for us. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.